Hello and welcome back to Jake's World, episode 55 of Jake's World, presented by the Nuance Magazine. I'm your host, Jake Sawinski, and today is Tuesday, January 26th. It's been 48 hours, and I am still very, very sad about Sunday. To be honest, there's a lot to talk about, but that is going to be the bulk of today's show. Um, it's going to be one thing I talk about on the end, or at the end of the show. I do have, I'm going to do an interview about some stock market happenings. Pretty crazy story that I will um, introduce, and then I'm going to do an interview about that. Buddy from school, super into the stock market, and it comes to someone my age. I don't know anybody who knows more than he does. I'll release that next week. Maybe everything will have played out by then, but we will see. It's pretty wild ride. But get into that toward the end of the show. And then we'll start off the show with um, all of the random little tidbits that I have found this week. So, first of all... (laughs) kind of crazy world we live in just in general right i mean look at the last year and all of the issues that have come up ever since really the coronavirus started all the political problems social problems economic problems and we have a new president that took over last wednesday and what's the first thing the guy does Makes a mask mandate, and two hours later, he's on the federal building without his mask on. (laughs) He ran on addressing the coronavirus pandemic, and last Friday, he says, there's currently nothing we can do to influence the course, or the, yeah, the course of the pandemic for the next several months. Like, buddy, you are so full of fucking shit. You ran on that. And your plan can't change the course of the pandemic. I'm not saying it's your fault. Because, I mean, he had no control of the federal response up until, um, well, last Wednesday. But you ran on it. You promised that. Like, And, you know, everyone's so fucking dumb, too. They don't care. Trump's gone. It's like, I've been saying it for six months now. They don't care about you. They're full of shit. But whatever. That's all I'm going to say about it. It's just fucking ridiculous. Um, Death won this week. (laughs) That's for damn sure. Um, George Armstrong is a Hall of Fame hockey player. Played for the Maple Leafs in the 1960s. Uh, He was a real trailblazer when it came to um, an indigenous hockey player. I think he was... Excuse me. I think he was... uh, Native. Not sure where he was from. Probably like none of it or something. But uh, he passed away. I think he was the first uh, native person to play in the NHL. Um, Hank Aaron passed away as well. I mean, some people call him like the true home run king. 755 home runs. 
without um, using any performance enhancing drugs. Um, some of the, he's almost like the Barry Bond stat wormhole, right? Like there are some stats of his that are just absurdly mind boggling and that will never, ever, 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 ever be repeated. Like one, uh, Hank Aaron is the only member of the 3000 hits club that if you were to take away all of his home runs, he'd still have 3000 hits. I think he played 21, 22, 23 professional seasons and, um, he, Never hit more than 47 home runs. That's absurd. You can do the math there. I mean, Barry Bonds had seasons with 60-plus. His record 72. Uh, Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, 500, 600 home runs. They hit, you know, 50, 60. Two of them hit 70-plus. Absurd. Model of consistency, Right. Guy would have to wear long sleeves because his forearms were huge. Like, and weightlifting was a little more taboo back then. More, I mean, just he was crazy, and he did all that in the deep south too. I mean, he played in Milwaukee for a few years when the Braves were in Milwaukee, and then they relocated to Atlanta. And I mean, he was so influential because, um, I mean, he's like I said, he was another one of those trailblazing figures right I had like Muhammad Ali or Jackie Robinson you know they broke barriers and made they were very popular African-American athletes and I mean just a class act too I mean it was sad to see him go um Larry King passed away as well I mean I heard somewhere today that Larry King did over 50,000 interviews in his lifetime Hosted the Larry King live show. I mean, I was on CNN for years and years and years. I mean, just one of the best in the business. Death one this week. We lost a lot of... A lot of outstanding and prominent citizens. And I don't know if it's just like all these people that are passing away conveniently. Or if we're just kind of more heightened to death now. But... It's sad, and um, surely they'll be missed. So, okay. I was going to talk about this. Um, there's this family who moved from California, and he relocated to Austin. And he did this uh, blog, or I don't know what you'd call it, journal. Not journal, like a web post or whatever, Twitter thread. I'm not sure what it was. But he wrote some this piece about... Him, move, him and his family moving to Austin from San Diego, like you already live in paradise, and first world problems at its finest, he goes on a rant bitching about how shitty Austin is, and oh, my utilities bill like doubled. Like, uh, buddy, you moved from San Diego where it's 78 to 80 all day, every day, all year, to Austin where it's fucking hot, and you're complaining about your air conditioning costs going up. We're never comfortable. It's an adjustment. At least you have air conditioning in your $4,000 house in a ritzy neighborhood that's not diverse. Oh, of course it's not diverse. You moved into a white neighborhood in Austin, Texas. Um, yeah, it was just inside. Like, read the room. You know, um, be grateful. I'm not going to get into it. I mean, it was a ridiculous post. Maybe I should talk. Maybe I'll talk about it later. Maybe. I don't know. 
Um, just, yeah, a shit ton of ridiculous stuff happened this week. But, um, the biggest thing I do want to talk about is football. Football broke my heart Sunday. To be honest, I did not watch much of the Bills-Chiefs game. It was a shootout. Um, Patrick Mahomes looked really good. That offense is a gauntlet, and they proved that they can flip the switch whenever they want. The Bills, I think everyone was just hyped up on the Bills finally being good again. And, I mean, the biggest question going into the game was, okay, is Pat Mahomes going to be ready to play? He was, and he showed up big time. Um... Nicole Hardman was cool. Uh, that was kind of a cool little in-game story. I mean, he muffs he muffs a punt on pretty much the their own goal line on a punt and immediately gives up a touchdown. And then, like I don't know if it's the next drive or a couple drives later, he ends up it's a huge um, screen run or jet sweep, and then kind of a flats pass. He gets into the end zone, gets it back up, gets his touchdown back. So that was kind of cool, but um. I think the biggest thing there was um, Bills not going for it. The uh, halftime, they took the points, which that one was a little bit more understandable because, I mean, you being down 12 to 21 at halftime is much different than you being down 21 to 9. And against the Chiefs getting the ball back, they score a touchdown. 27 to 9, or 28 to 9 seems insurmountable. So, I don't know. Like I said, I didn't really watch a ton of this game. Bills are a good team. They're well coached, but I mean, they're it was a gaunt. Like I mean, it's it's tough to beat an even better coached team and a more talented team. And it's a good season for the Bills. I mean, they haven't been to the postseason in God knows how long. Well, maybe they were in there last year, but I mean, they haven't been to the championship game in fuck what thirty years. Four Super Bowls in a row. I mean, that had heartbreak destined. That was destined to be heartbreaking for Bills fans. But it's a good season for them. Now, I want to focus on the other side of the ball. My Green Bay Packers. Super confident in them all week. And I don't know what the fuck Mother Nature did, but I said that Tom Brady's brittle 43-year-old TB12 body was going to be in two pieces on Sunday. And the sun was out. It was 30 degrees the weathermen lied to us. Weather women lied to us. They said it's going to be cold. If it was tw- if that was 10 degrees colder, who knows it could have been different. But that's not what lost the game. That was the most frustrating football game I've watched all season. The week 6 matchup wasn't as frustrating. Green Bay laid down. They gave up pick six a touchdown and they gave up final score is 38 to 10 this game wasn't that <sighs> fuck it's so irritating I don't even want to talk about it anymore because everybody on Twitter after the game was insufferable insufferable whatever but let's go through the game you get, so irritating because like I just Every detail is still in my head, and I didn't even take notes for this show. You could probably tell from the beginning of it, but, like, I don't need the notes for this show because, like, it's all just etched in my head. So, first drive, right? Um, Kevin King, what are you doing? 
Do you not know how to play coverage? Like, do you just not know how to play coverage? Mike Evans carves you up on the first drive. Brady throws like a 30, 40-yard touchdown pass to Mike Evans in the end zone on what was a ball that I could have got off, off the couch, drove to Lambeau Field from Madison, and intercepted that ball. I had a better chance of doing it than he did. Like, he literally jumped three seconds before Evans caught it. He was laying on the ground and Evans caught it. Like, do you know how to play coverage, first of all? Okay, that should have been a pick. I'm not saying the throw was bad. It was where it needed to go. It was interceptable. I mean, it was a high, on-target, loopy ball, but that's where it needed to be. Brady got it there. Okay, you're down 7-0. You go the other way, and you get a field goal. Or no, I'm sorry, they get a touchdown. Okay, good, 7-7. You give up another touchdown. A big run. Missed tackles. That's been Packers' MO all season. They can't. They don't tackle well. That's all right. But some of the corners do. Usually they don't. Whatever. 14-7. You have a great drive all the way down the field. Adams has a uncharacteristic lapse of... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Why am I trying to word this? Um, spatial awareness. He's got some of the best footwork in the league. He knows exactly where he is on the field pretty much at all times. And he catches a touchdown but steps out of bounds. Like, it was there. He just didn't know where he was. And you'd never see that happen. They had to settle for a field goal. Couple punts in between there. I'm talking about scoring drives. It's not necessarily the next drive on you know in the game, but Rogers throws a pick. Was he held? Was Lazard held? Yes. Should that have been a flag? Yes, but it wasn't. You're down four. Likely to be seven, if your defense gets a stop. Okay, you can live with that. You're getting the ball, uh, from the kickoff out of the half. Okay. Third down, long. The only thing you can't do is what the Jets did week 12 or whatever week it was against the Raiders. That wasn't what was called. It was a cover three play. You know, you have a safety over the middle and your cornerbacks drop deep to keep everything in front of them. They have time to run one play and call timeout, kick field goal. That is winning the drive. You turn the ball over in in your territory. They're in just about field goal range. If they get a first down and not a touchdown, that's a win for you because you're getting the ball back off the first or off the halftime kickoff, and you can go tie the game up. What does Kevin King do? Let Scotty fucking Miller get behind him, and he scores a touchdown. It's a good ball. Scotty Miller is not even a bad player. He's just like the fourth option on that team. No disrespect to him. He caught a ball. He ran a good route. He caught a ball. He, he's got wheels. But all you have to do is play him in front of you. Start 15 yards off of him, which he did, and he still got beat. 
You're down 21 to 10 at halftime. Next, get the halftime kickoff. Aaron Jones fumbles. He fumbled on the drive they scored a field goal on. That fumble, he got hit pretty hard in the first one. The second one, just lackadaisical ball control. Next play, touchdown, 28-10. And I'm like, well, I was wrong. Same fucking thing all over again. They quit. But I was wrong. They didn't quit. They roll down the field. They make it 28-17. Cool. Then, drop the two-point conversion. Should have been caught. St. Brown. It's right at you. What'd you do here? Footsteps? A two-point conversion where everyone's five yards away from you? They're not lighting you up. They're not close enough to you to light you up. It's just, it's frustrating. (laughs) Really frustrating when you have to do things to win the game and you can't seem to find a way to get that done. Like, I just don't understand. Whatever. So, 16. Get another touchdown. Adams gets one. After um, Tampa gets another field goal. 31-23. 31-23. Brady throws two picks. Two of the worst interceptions I've seen in my life. The first one, he threw three in the game. The first one was atrocious, and I think that's the one they ended up getting a field goal on to make it 31-23. Brady comes back out. He throws the second one, which wasn't as bad as the first one. The ball was not great. Mike Evans is a fantastic wide receiver. Dropping passes is something very uncharacteristic of him, but he dropped a few passes that game. But, I mean, is it technically a drop? I'm not sure what the rules say. I mean, it hit his fingertips, and Alexander took it. he, He intercepted the ball. The pass wasn't great. You go pass, 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 punt. Okay, LaFleur, great play calling, whatever. You punt the ball away. Third down. Great co- great defensive call by Patine. Corner blitz. Savage blitzes. Brady knows he's going to get demolished, so he just chucks it up. The pass is terrible. It's picked off again. What do you do, LaFleur? Pass, pass, punt. You're down a score. Run some time off the clock. You have the best quarter, the greatest quarterback. I don't say the best quarterback because he's not the best quarterback of all time. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. On the other side of the ball, a man for the last 20, how many seasons? 21, 22 seasons. He's 43 years old. For the last 21 seasons, has owned the two-minute trail. He's probably won more games than like some quarterbacks have in the two-minute trail in their entire careers. Like It's absurd. There's just no sense of urgency. Like, that last they force another punt. They get the ball back. They're finally in the red zone. Third down. Rodgers probably could have snuck that ball in. I mean, it's hard to say that he definitely would have because you have one cornerback playing coverage, one who's 
a safety, you know, in coverage, but in a position to stop Rodgers from breaking the plane, and Jason Pierre-Paul right next to Rodgers. Does he win that foot race? Maybe not. Maybe. I don't know. But he doesn't go for it. He tries to thread the needle. Can't connect with Adams. Lafleur decides to kick field goal. Now, this is something that I've been mulling over for the last two days. Because I don't really know exactly how to feel about it. Because if I watched the last... Hmm, what? They kicked the field goal two minutes and like five seconds? Two minutes, twelve seconds, something like that? If I watched the last um, 25, 28 minutes of... Well... 25 to 28 minutes of defense. Green Bay tightened it up defensively. I mean, there was a lapse here and there, but you gave up three points in that stretch. I won't count the first pass off the fumble. That was quitting time. After that, they seemed to tighten it up. I could see why Lafleur trusts your defense like we played pretty well up to that point in this stretch okay take the points but then again you have to score a touchdown either way now that I'm thinking about it I don't know why they didn't go for it was that Rogers plan did he know going in like hey if you don't convert this we're taking the points don't risk turning the ball over did he know that I'm not sure did he not think he could have made it? Probably. I don't know. Like, I really don't know. I just don't know where the thought process was to definitively go kick that field goal. Because either way, you have to score. The two-point conversion drop hurts. But it wasn't what lost the game. Because it would have been 23-31 to 31 at that point. Or it was 23-31. to 31. It would have been 25-31. to 31. You still can't kick a field goal you gotta go for a touchdown there no matter what way you spin it a field goal is not going to get the job done because field goal would make it 28 31 you could tie it at least maybe that's the only i mean downfall of that but still like you can get a touchdown you have to go for two and if you don't get the two-point conversion, at least you can now, okay, we have two-minute warning, three timeouts to get a stop and then kick a field goal. And Rodgers is probably the second best in the league at running a two-minute offense. There's five guys in the league I would not ever want to get to give the ball back to in a two-minute situation. It's Tom Brady, it's Aaron Rodgers, it's Russell Wilson, it's Pat Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson. And that's probably about it. Justin Herbert will be there one day, but I'm struggling to find anybody else who runs the two-minute drill as efficiently as those five guys do. Right? So you kick the field goal. You get... You give the ball back. You give up a big run on the first down play. You take a penalty, which Bruce Arians is a fucking bonehead. Don't take the penalty. Decline the penalty. It's second and two. The clock is running, and then they have to burn a timeout. Dumb, dumb. But whatever. They take the penalty, get the fresh downs, and then 
stop two good run plays. Third down play, who's out of position, who grabs a jersey, who sees separation of five yards, Kevin King. They throw a flag. It was late. That's the only thing I don't like about that call. I mean, I'm a Packers fan, but I'm a pretty unbiased one. That's a penalty. You have to throw that flag. It's so obvious that you can't not call that flag. You're going to piss somebody off either way. You might as well make the right call. Pass interference that ends the game after Godwin gets another first down. Because, I mean, they did get two more stops. They had one more timeout. They could have had a Hail Mary chance. But, I mean, it, it was all over by then. Now, oh, the officiating, where they were letting them play all game long. Why do you throw a flag in there right now? Because, to me, that hold on Lazard, did that really affect the outcome of the play? It could have. I mean, the only conceivable way for me to say that hold off the line of scrimmage affecting the outcome of that play is him able to get back into position to cover Lazard. Lazard ran a good route. He got beat. The defense, or the cornerback got beat. But he makes a hell of a play on the ball. Right? The guys were pushing and fighting for position all game. I mean, I think there were four penalties in that game. I think there was an offsides, the encroachment, the pass interference, and I think there was one more, oh, the head-to-head contact. There were like four or five penalties in the whole game. The only thing I don't like about it is it, the flag being thrown in after the play was pretty much concluded. They're all walking back to the huddle, and then you see a flag. That I don't like. But I don't like... and I This is something that is very characteristic of Wisconsin sports fans, I've noticed. I'm a weird fan. I like the Cubs. I like the Blackhawks. I like Wisconsin basketball and football. And I like the Green Bay Packers. Parents grew up Cubs fans. Wisconsin doesn't have a hockey team. I like the Blackhawks. I grew up in northeast Wisconsin. You don't live up here without liking the Packers unless you're not from here. Is it trash? A little bit. But I'm not the only person I know who's like that. I know quite a few people who are like that. But there's this thing with Wisconsin sports fans where they always seem to make excuses about when they lose. They always seem to blame somebody else Besides the players that should be held accountable. The people that should be held accountable. And it's especially the case in football. Packer fans are delusional. Every year we make it seem like, oh, the official, the, the officiating of the game ruined it for us. They screwed us out of it. No, they didn't. Execution screwed you out of it. Not even turnovers. Execution screwed you out of it. How many football games are played where you win the turnover battle and you lose the game? That's in any sport. Look at basketball. How many times does a professional basketball team turn the ball over 30 times and win? There's probably one team off the top of my head who could possibly do that, and that was the Dynasty Warriors three, four years ago. Those, that's the only team who could do that. It is such a rarity, and especially in football, because they're so high leverage or um, meaningful because you only play 16 to 19 of them a year. Who wins a turnover battle and loses? It's such a rarity. Who's calling plays? 
to Matt LaFleur because I certainly wouldn't go pass, 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 punt, or pass, 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 punt, pass, 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 punt. Aaron Jones got hurt, but he was pretty ineffective all game. I also think he quit on the team. I won't be one of those guys who's like dogs him for it, but he quit on the team. I think a little bit, anyways. I mean, he left the game with a chest injury. Is it serious? I haven't heard anything yet. But you can tell with their body language, they look defeated, and that's been their mo like for so long now. They get beat. They get beat. They roll over. There's no fight. They're not a physical team. They don't fight, though. Here's another one. Classic blame is the defense. Yes, was the defense in the first half atrocious for the most part? Yes, but it was by one, two, or three people. And all at the most untimely spots. They still had you in a position to win the game, despite that. You have the best cornerback in football this season. Makes two hits two interceptions. You get another one to go your way. You scored six points off of their three interceptions. They scored 14 off of your two fumbles. The run defense was fine, aside from the second quarter, really. Big plays burned you. That's what kills defenses. You can play sound, fundamental football. For if the other team runs 50 plays, you can be great on 46 of those plays. But if you get burned by four big plays, you're probably going to lose. The big plays that stand out to me, the first touchdown pass of the game that should have been interception, intercepted. The Scotty Miller play at halftime. The Rob Gronkowski screen. The Leonard Fournette run. Godwin's um 40-yard catch up the middle. That was a well-covered play, but it's a big play. It'll burn you still. If anything about the defense, and it's not fire, Mike Pettine, the schemes were fine. Your guys, you need to be in position. You need to do your job in order to succeed. The only thing is, change the personnel. Kevin King can't be on the game, on the field anymore. After the first one, that's it. You're done. Ride Pine. I don't care about your feelings right now. We have the most skilled quarterback of all time. He's 1-4 in championship games. He's a generational talent. And he never has the team around him to do it. That's the excuse. And the time you finally do, you still shoot yourself in the foot. you got to adjust to that. You can't leave those guys on the field. The calls are fine. Saw a stat today. Um, Tom Brady's um, passer rating. Kevin King, 140. I'm not. I don't remember who the second name is. I'm drawing a blank. 77. Jair Alexander, 3.3. Here's another thing. Why is Alexander playing one half of the field? I think they adjusted that in the second half, and that's when they stopped scoring. At will. Why is Alexander playing one half of the field? He needs to be covering Mike Evans. He needs to be covering Chris Godwin. It's 50-50. Like, you got to be able to cover them both. You got to let those other guys beat you. Gronk was a non-part of the game. He had one catch for like 40 yards on that tight end screen. 
he was a non-factor. Whoever was covering him either did a good job or they weren't looking his way. Regardless, you got to let him beat you. You got to let Scotty Miller beat you. You got to let Cameron Brait beat you. You can't let Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and, thank God, Antonio Brown didn't play. You can't let those three beat you. You just can't. The adjustments came too late. Once you're down 7-0 in like two minutes after you have three fumble fuck plays on defense, you got to do something different. You can't wait until it's too late. It was just frustrating because now the media narrative is what's Aaron Rodgers going to do. But before I get into that stop blaming the officials the officials didn't lose you the game that's my whole point of that little rant they didn't lose the game you did don't let one call dictate the your entire perception of the game they played like shit for one half that's another mo of theirs they play one good half of football every game this year was an anomaly because they never had to play from behind the one time they did they fucking sucked they gave up. That was a week six against Tampa. The loss against the Colts, they were up. They blew it. They played one half of football. They let teams back into the game or they play catch-up and they win. That's They don't play four quarters. They haven't in a long time. But that's what happens when you don't have a defense that plays fundamentally sound all the time. Like, you have to do it. That's what great defenses do. They don't give up huge plays all the time. They do those little things. They keep guys, They play coverage and they keep the guys in front of you. They contain the quarterback, keep them in the pocket. They wrap up when they tackle. They don't do dumb things. They don't commit dumb penalties. They don't hold. They don't do those things. Stop giving your favorite team an out. Sometimes you just have to be like, yeah, they fucking stunk. One half. And they didn't. They were too far behind to make it work. Combined with a bunch of other things. Just fuck. Just stop blaming the officials. You look so fucking dumb when you do that. Oh, this is a penalty, but this wasn't. Like, fuck off. You don't even, like, people who say that dumb shit, like, haven't even played the game. Like, they don't even know what goes into winning a game. So they just try to be relevant on social media and say, oh, this is what I, this is our narrative because it's popular to do so. And it's just, it's a fucking Wisconsin thing. I don't know what it is. Like, stop doing it. It drives me fucking crazy. But Aaron Rodgers, all of course, and all the speculation comes out, oh, Aaron Rodgers, is he leaving? No, he's not fucking leaving. Why would he leave? This is this was the best chance they had at it, and they blew it. Fix the team up, get rid of the, cut the fat, get rid of the guys you don't need, keep the guys you do need, and try again. Aaron Rodgers is 37, he's going to win the MVP. Let him decline first. Because he's shown no signs of that. So let it play out. And I know the media, like, they need clicks. I mean, ESPN's fucking dying. I mean, Stephen A. Smith is the only relevant name on talk shows. I mean, Schefter breaks news. And, I mean, Max Kellerman's a con artist. I mean, ESPN's dying and they know it. I mean, Jamel Hill is one of your relevant anchors, and she's a fucking bonehead. But they're dying. They need the attention. So, of course, they spin things like that into fruition. And 
it's it's just frustrating because the media is kind of right. Like they is anything happening? Probably not. He's not going to be traded. He's not going to sign anywhere else. But he's going to be up front with front office and be like, "I need this to happen. I'll do what it need to. I I'll do. We'll do what we need to do to make this happen. And if you don't live up to that, once this contract's up, I'm gone. That's going to happen. And it's frustrating because Green Bay has wasted his entire career. They won the Super Bowl in 2010-2011 as a wild card team. He wins the MVP in 14. They lose the championship game to, I think it was 14, to the Seahawks. Brandon Bostick, that fucking dumbass, came, became relevant again to, oh, they'll probably find a way to blame me. And TJ Lang went after him. Um, yeah, because um, those guys who lost today actually tried to do their job, which is very true. Brandon Bostick, fuck you. You're an asshole. Don't try to catch it. That's like onside kick 101. Don't return it unless your name's CeeDee Lamb. Just fall on the fucking ball. Or just block because you're not supposed to catch it. You have fucking rock mittens for gloves or for hands. Go fuck yourself. Delete your account. 16, they get pummeled by the Falcons. Last year, they play one good half of football. The second half, playing catch-up, just like this year against the 49ers. It's just, they really did waste that guy's career. Because year over year, he's the most talented quarterback I've ever seen play. And I think Mahomes is eventually going to surpass that because Pat Mahomes is absurd. But seriously, Rodgers is the best talent I've ever seen play. And it's not close. I don't want to hear anything about Tom Brady, GOAT. He is. Greatness is winning to me. That's what greatness is. Talent isn't greatness. It is, but it isn't. When I hear greatest of all time, that GOAT acronym, greatest, I... But with winning. That's why Michael Jordan's a GOAT. Is LeBron James probably a better pound-for-pound all-around basketball player than Michael Jordan? Yeah, he's 40 pounds heavier and 3 inches taller, and he can shoot, play physical in a not-physical game, but no one can control that. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers play at the same time. They wasted his career. It's a shame, but I think they did. Rodgers could be better about it. He's smug. He's got a chip on his shoulder. And I think he has every right to. Because that franchise did not do what they needed to do in order to win up until this year. Drafting Jordan Love was a good thing. And everyone's like, oh, maybe if they gave him some help. He didn't need help. On the defensive side of the ball, maybe. Maybe. But this is where I'm going to tie this segment into a ball, wrap this up, and probably never talk about it again. Green Bay fans, when's the last time you've had a bad quarterback? 1992. You have had Hall of Fame quarterback play for 30 years. When it comes to the quarterback spot, do not doubt what the front office is doing because they know what they're doing. Everyone shit on them for drafting Aaron Rodgers when Brett Favre still had a few good years left in the tank, and look what happened. Why don't you just trust him? Let's see what happens, okay? Fuck. I love football, but I fucking hate football. Okay, last segment. I alluded to it earlier 
in the episode. Um, I'm going to have one of my buddies, Paul, come on, show. We're going to talk about this little market situation that started, I think technically it started a couple weeks ago, but it really picked up some steam in the last few days, like dating back to last Wednesday, maybe last Tuesday. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty wild actually what happened, but, um, so GameStop, video game retailer, brick and mortar retailer, right? They're not doing great, but it was released that, or they did release good holiday or holiday sales numbers. Stock goes up a little bit. I'm not going to get into the specific. I'm just specifics. I'm just going to lay the background for this because I'm going to go a little more in depth with this, a lot more in depth with this next week. Wall Street Bets is a subreddit that talks about investing in the stock market, brokerage accounts, not like 401ks and stuff. They don't do that. It's like buying and selling off of Robinhood or TD Ameritrade or E-Trade or Interactive Broker, Interactive Brokers, whatever. They find lists, this Reddit has, you know, ticker symbols of companies that have very high short interest. They're being shorted by the hedge funds. Hedge funds are betting against the current. They buy strike prices for options at a certain price. And they are betting that the underlying asset goes down. They make money and puts when money goes down or the stock price goes down. So what do all these degenerate fucking investors do on this subreddit? They buy the stock. Stock's going through the roof. Now the problem is when the stock goes up, all the institutional investors who own these puts lose money. They're losing so much money. What do they have to do? They have to buy the stocks to hedge their initial investment to water down those losses. GameStop was trading like 20 bucks last week. It's at 230 after hours. It's called a short squeeze. It's going to be a wild ride. And I would like to see a little bit more of this play out. And it definitely will by the time I talk to Paul about it. But it's pretty crazy. The moral of this for me, right, introducing it right now, it's crazy what the internet can do. It's really ironic that the guys who, you know, own billion dollar hedge funds manipulate the market are being outplayed by a bunch of guys on their cell phones who probably live in their parents' basements. It's absurd, and I love it. I love it. Some hedge fund lost 30% on their short interest because of this um, This Wall Street bets phenomenon. But it's not like an unusual occurrence. It's not like common, but um, it's happened before. But I'll get into a little more depth with that. Next time we talk, so you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at JakeSawinski8, at J-A-K-E-S-A-W-I-N-S-K-I-8. 
Have a great week, everybody, and I will talk to you next time. Peace. If your metro don't trust you, I'm gonna shoot you. Beautiful morning, get a sun in my morning, baby.